Welcome to Venture Studio, episode 30, with Naval Ravikant, founder of AngelList. Venture Studio is the podcast where your host, Dave Lerner, entrepreneur, angel investor in 60-plus companies and director of entrepreneurship at Columbia University, interviews the angel investors and venture capitalists who make up New York City's entrepreneurial ecosystem. I am your producer, Kevin Weeks. Naval is the founder and CEO of AngelList. AngelList is the go-to platform for startups to raise money online, recruit employees, and apply for funding. Naval and AngelList are on a mission to democratize the fundraising process. This interview is a big one, so we're breaking it into a two-parter. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss part two. Remember, all of our shows are on VentureStudio.org and on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Google Play for Android users. If you like this episode, you'll definitely love our interviews with Ming Ye of CSC Upshot and Dustin Dolganow of Maiden Lane. Again, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at VentureStudio to stay up to date. And now, without further ado, let's head on up to the Venture Studio office with Dave Lerner and Naval Ravikant. In the office, baby. Going up. Naval, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure. Um... Let's perhaps start with AngelList. Most of my listeners know what AngelList is, and we've, we've covered it. But uh, maybe for those who don't know, perhaps just catch them up on what AngelList does and where you are today. Yeah, it's a platform for helping founders uh, with their most important tasks. Today, we help them uh, raise money online and help them find talent online. Uh, we're the largest online fundraising platform. Uh, we've helped at this point uh, probably about 900 companies raise money directly and a couple of thousand raise money indirectly through introductions that we made to investors. Um, the indirect or offline introductions led to some investment into companies like Uber and Thumbtack and Postmates. Uh, and online, we've done companies like Ship and Sprig and MakeSpace and Spire Global and Distilled Networks and HoneyBook and uh, many others. Um we operate a network or we work with a network of hundreds of individual high quality angel investors who are out there writing their own checks. And we allow other people to sort of uh, sophisticated other people to back them in the cloud with capital. And that brings more money into the financing ecosystem at the seed stage. Um, and uh, on the uh, recruiting side, we run what's probably now the largest startup recruiting marketplace. Uh, it's largely free. We have 16,000 companies recruiting almost half a million candidates, and we make about 20,000 mutual introductions, uh, Tinder-style, per week uh, between candidates and uh, companies. Um, so basically just trying to scale helping startup founders uh, at the seed stage with their most important tasks. Absolutely. Remarkable where, where you guys have come. It's, it's extraordinary. Thank Del you. Yeah. Give us a sense of the origins of AngelList. Maybe let's start there. How did uh, this emerge? I know, I know you were blogging early. You were one of the early VC bloggers. Yeah, I was one of the contributors to Venture Blog early on, which was one of the possibly the first VC blog. Uh, but then I uh, spun out and with my partner, Nivi, uh, we did Venture Hacks, which was all about educating entrepreneurs on the game theory of venture capital. And there was no master plan. I mean, it's, it's always easy to look back in hindsight and connect the dots. But uh, we uh, morphed Venture Hacks uh, towards Angel List because people wanted help raising money, not just negotiating term sheets. And uh, in 2010, I was out there investing myself. And it still just seemed like it was too hard for founders who weren't incredibly well connected to meet VCs or seed funds. 
Uh, and so we want to democratize that a bit, make the process a little more transparent. And so we launched AngelList, which started as a mailing list between startups and companies. And then we slowly evolved that into both an on- online investing platform uh, as well as this uh, talent marketplace. Yeah, I, w- I will tell everyone listening, if you, if you haven't seen it, Ven- VentureHacks is still one of the best resources on the web for any question you have. When people ask me questions like, uh, you know, how much equity should I give my advisor? You go on mm-hmm. Venture Hacks and it's like, these are the different kinds of advisors. You know, this is the kind of equity apportionment you should think about, or it could even be co-founder sharing. I mean, it's any issue you can possibly imagine. Over those years, you guys really tried to document it and give people path or some parameters to contemplate. Yeah, th- thank you, Mike. My- my- co-author, um, actually, and probably the main author was uh, Babak Nivi, and he's an incredible writer. So he, he kind of wrote all of that down once, and then at some point we found we were, we were repeating ourselves. <laughs> so that's when we also moved it on. But you can go get the Venture Hacks Bible. Uh, it's super cheap or almost free, and it's a PDF that basically has everything we ever wrote, and it answers everything from option pool to founding dynamics to what do venture capitalists mean when they say X, Y, Z, uh, what do different terms mean and which ones should you focus on? And, you know, a little bit of it is outmoded now, uh, but not all of it. And and one of the things that I liked about that resource is that most uh, of the things that are out there written on the topic uh, are written by someone who has a dog in the fight, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? So it's either a, a, a founder who maybe hasn't is raising a single round or two rounds and hasn't seen tons of fundraising, or it's a venture capitalist who, even though they're trying to be helpful, uh, an objective to the founders, they're always going to have a subconscious bias towards the money side of the equation. Um, so we, we try to be very founder-friendly, uh, but working across a large number of data points rather than just one or two, uh, and not being shrill or anti-VC or anything like that. That's right. It's right down the fairway. It gives you different ways of thinking about these issues, other references, highly recommend it, still cutting-edge, valuable for everybody. So what, you know, AngelList has arrived uh, everyone in the ecosystem understands that, knows that. The, it sounds like the recruiting side of it, which I know less about, has has also really scaled. And the latest product uh, that we've we've covered twice before on this show is syndicates. And I want to yeah. dive into syndicates a little bit. We've had uh, Dustin Dolganow from Maiden Lane Ventures. We've had Ming from CSC Upshot talk about syndicates from their perspective. But just to, to frame it up for people, how do you describe syndicates in the syndicate ecosystem? Yeah, so basically you have uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of high-quality, what I call operator angels. Uh, these are angel investors out there writing checks who are not full-time venture capitalists or seed fund managers. Uh, and they have good judgment, good insight. They don't do a lot of investments, but they usually invest in their friends, alumni, good founders, entrepreneurs they've known for a long time. And they are the true backbone of early stage investing. Uh, Without them, I think in this market, uh, most venture capitalists will not invest in a company pre-product, pre-traction, even many pre-product market fit. So the pre-seed and the seed stages are heavily dominated by angel investors. And so the problem with taking a check from an angel investor is a small check, right? It's 10, 20, 25K. It may not make, move the needle on, on a founder's financing. So what syndicates are is they're pop-up venture funds on demand uh, using the power of the internet and aggregating capital and, and uh, email and all of that kind of stuff and technology 
to give angel investors a larger pool of capital to invest when they're going to invest. So, for example, if you have a, a colleague who's starting a company, you know the person's a great engineer or founder, you want to back them, normally you might write a ten dollars or $25,000 check. Now, using syndicates, you can pull in your friends, other angels, institutional capital. We can make it happen for you very quickly within a week to two weeks. And you can write a $250,000 check or $500,000 check. Um, and where we're evolving it to is, uh, you know, favoring uh, what we call backers, you know, like Kickstarter backers who are not just sophisticated, but also value added. So there's the lead angel who writes their initial check, sends the signal, does the diligence and is responsible for the investment. Uh, but then there's a bunch of backer angels, some of whom can be called upon uh, for their local expertise. Um, and it's also a, a very open marketplace for sophisticated investors and funds. So you, you talk to Dustin and Ming, and they both run large funds that are dedicated to exclusively investing through Angelus, backing Angelus syndicates, uh, and working through this network of hundreds of operator angels um, who are doing deals out there. Um, and, and from the founder side, it allows them to choose the angel that they want to work with uh, rather than having to take the capital from the person that maybe they don't want to work with mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. um, I've always called venture capital as a bundle, and it's a mm -hmm. bundle of, of advice, control, and money. Um, and so you kind of have, you've historically had to purchase that bundle. But I think smart founders now are starting to unbundle that. And they're saying, I'm going to get uh, advice from my best advisor, uh, and I'm going to get money. Uh, from I, I can put the money behind that advisor as opposed to having to get it from someone else, maybe whose advice I don't love as much, and who comes packaged with control provisions that I don't like. Um, so there's a, you know the smart founders are, are becoming more picky about how they assemble their financing uh, as opposed to just taking it uh, you know under one brand, one bundle. Right, right. I love it. The the unbundling that you've referred to often, and, and this is a theme. You've you mentioned democratization. You've mentioned unbundling. We're going to come back to that. Uh, yeah, and, and actually, as syndicates, you know, it's pop-up venture funds today, but we're also using it uh, as an infrastructure. for. Uh, there are larger VCs who are using syndicates. They use it uh, to either bring in community of angels or scouts that they want to work with. Uh, they use the infrastructure also to bring in their own investors, limited partners, into very large deals. Uh, that are opportunity vehicles. So if you're a small fund and you've got a large allocation in a company that's uh, too big for you, but you you have access, uh, you can bring you can use syndicates to bring in your LPs, your limited partners, into that deal uh, on a one-off kind of basis. So uh, underneath, on the technology level, what we have is a very flexible infrastructure for creating one-off venture funds, tracking, reporting, accounting, uh, collecting money, handling distributions, uh, handling data, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we were playing around with that to sort of reassemble the parts of the venture business that should be done on a one-off basis as opposed to on this 10-year committed fund basis. Where are you in terms of scale now with this with new product, which is probably about two years old, I'm guessing? Yeah, it's a little over two years old. Um, we're moving about $200 million a year through syndicates. Most of it is through individuals still. Uh, institutional capital probably accounts for about 20%. Uh, although that's scaling, that's changing rapidly as more and more institutions discover it and it starts to generate returns. Um, we have about 200 uh, operator angels, uh, you know, who do a couple of deals a year. There are a few people who do a lot more deals and they get a lot more of the press and are obviously right. uh, more professional about it. But uh, it, essentially, it's a, it's a fairly wide set of people who have done syndicates. 
Um, we've got uh, about half a billion dollars in committed capital from institutions now that uh, deploys exclusively behind syndicates, and we expect to bring on more. Uh, we have a tremendous infrastructure uh, for uh, doing these deals. We'll probably do about 50 of them every month right now, and we turn away, we turn away hundreds. Uh, it's an all-carry model. There's no management fees right now, so, uh, and there's a lot of alignment. The average syndicate lead puts in 16% of the round themselves, which is much higher than any general partner commitment in the VC firm. Uh, and because they're getting no management fees, it's true skin in the game. Uh, and they also bring in, as I said, the bulk of their capital from uh, individuals, angels, friends, uh, all of whom we, we vet for not just accreditation, which is the legal threshold, they have to be rich, uh, but also sophistication. They have to understand how risky angel investing is, how opaque and illiquid these assets are, how long the timeline is. And what are you doing to seed that ecosystem to to allow it to flourish? What kind of stuff are you doing behind the scenes? Uh, we try to stay very invisible, thin, and neutral as a platform. We're not self-promotional. You'll, you don't see us buying ads or right. uh, having a lot of branding. Um, so really, our, our job is to be uh, a facilitator and a platform to make things easy for the operator angels and for their backers and for the institutions that want to do these investments and, of course, for the founders. Um, so we'll get involved in mediating if there's a difficult situation, but mostly our job is to build software, build operations, and keep our heads down. Yeah. Uh, for investors who don't necessarily want to go through all of the difficulty and the insight of having to pick deals online, uh, and also, you know, a lot of the best deals are so-called best deals or self-perceived best deals in this business, uh, like to be in stealth mode or they're private. So right now, two-thirds of our deals are running in privacy mode, on private oh, mode. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, that's been happening more and more recently. So like last year, it might have, at this time, it might have been a third. Uh, beginning of this year, it's probably about half. Now it's close to two-thirds. Um, and especially as we get institutional capital on and more and more VCs on, more and more of these deals are, are running privately. Uh, and so for a small investor on the platform, they might not know how to get access to all of these deals or how to evaluate all of these deals. So as a service for them, we run these uh, uh, online, in, basically investment funds, where you can put in a $25,000 check. We'll split it across 100 or more uh, blue chip angel investments for you. And we don't charge anything extra for that. That's kind of a free service. And you can just find that at angel.co slash funds. Um, so it's, it's basically the first diversified, high-quality uh, investment funds for seed-stage angel investing um, that you can put money into. Obviously, it's a very risky asset class. Obviously, it's very opaque and illiquid. And you know it's a tiny percent of your net worth that should go in there. It's a very long cycle. But if you want exposure to Silicon Valley, New York, Boston, L.A., Austin, Seattle, uh, London, Tel Aviv, the blue-chip angel deals coming out of there, uh, at the very early stage, you know, it's it's a it's a good way to get exposure to that asset rather than having to wait for those companies to go public ten years later. Right, right. and there's a wealth of syndicates available in different verticals and different regions and different yep. personalities involved. That's like right. That. That's then, right. And then you have the folks uh, like Maiden Lane and CSC Upshot that actually mm -hmm. back some of the syndicates. What what are you uh, uh, comfortable talking about? I mean, what are you yeah. thinking about doing in that? arena yeah. in some ways you can think about it as for the the angels that are are doing syndicates of their own on angel list the investors mm -hmm. i, I mm -hmm. have one myself mm -hmm. uh, these funds are completely dedicated to uh backing syndicates 
themselves. Yeah. And you currently have two. Are there going to be more in the future? What, what are your plans there? Yeah, there are more. We're onboarding a couple more. Um, there'll be a fairly limited set because these funds have access to a lot of sensitive information uh, from the raising company. So they're under strict NDA and we just can't have that many of them. Uh, but we have uh, a couple more of these large funds in flight. Um, I, I'm not ready to announce anything, but stay tuned. There will be more. Okay, that's good um, to know. The, yeah, these these the, are kind of like seats on an exchange. There's going to be a limited number of seats on, on this exchange, so to speak. Yeah, for, for a while. That's right. Uh, so these are, these are large institutional funds uh, that have currently dedicated and committed half a billion and more is coming uh, to exclusively backing the top operator angels on syndicates as they do deals. Uh, and we also have family offices uh, and uh, very wealthy individuals um, who are, you know, think of them as sort of the whales um, mm-hmm. who, are, who are committing as well to put in capital behind syndicates in exchange for access to more deals and more leads. Right. Um, so even recently, for example, we, we've had, you know, we have a lot of very rich people on the platform who are right now investing small amounts and playing around and testing. Mm-hmm. And as they become more comfortable and more happy with some of their investments, they dedicate more and more. Um, for example, there's a great little uh, venture fund slash family office uh, out of Brussels uh, that started using AngelList uh, back in the day when we were just a mailing list. They met some good companies. Then when we launched syndicates, they started backing some syndicated deals. Uh, and recently, they just announced uh, that they're not going to be doing any more direct investments. Everything's going through syndicates. And they're putting all of their family office uh, private investing through syndicates. Jeez, um, and you know they've dedicated $11 million just recently wow. to this. Uh, and that's just that's just one, you know, set, right. one one group of two individuals who've uh, or three individuals amazing. who've decided to go in, and we've got <laughs> thousands of these. Okay. So, you know, yeah, over time it'll scale up as people become more comfortable with the model, uh, and then I think also as people start using it, they realize like, oh, this is you know, I can put in uh, five thousand dollars behind a good company online. Uh, without having to do, you know, I, yes, I have to pay carry to the lead investor. I have to pay a 20% carry on average, 20% of the profits. Uh, but that saves me from having to do to hunt, move to Silicon Valley, hunt down the deal, get access, figure out how to add value, and track right. the company in detail. And this business, that's a bargain because this business is normally full of financial middlemen taking management fees and carrying layers upon layers upon layers. Oh, yeah. So getting direct access to these early stage deals for a, for a percentage of the profits is a very reasonable sort of way to go. So I think they get comfortable with that mo- with that model. They they play with it for a while and they check the deal quality and make sure they're generating returns and getting into deals that are being marked up by good venture capitalists. And you can see all of that at, at angel.co slash done dash deals. It's our done deals page and you'll see okay. all the deals that have been done on the platform recently that are public and can be announced. And you can see which ones have been marked up by VCs and you can see when AngelList went in. And you can see that you know we've already had our syndicate graduates have gone on to raise close to two billion dollars from wow. VCs after syndicates, right. and that's only in three years. Yeah. So it's you know it's been a very short period of time, but there's still huge follow-ons available. Right. They, they, the, the, I can see there's a bunch of people dipping their toe in, and now they're coming in much heavier. You'll, exactly. You'll have to create a, a subdomain called angel.co slash whale. At some point to accommodate. <laughs> yeah, and, and we can already see like our class of 2013. I mean, the, we're a platform, so the index is always going to be of, uh, of varying quality. Uh, but that's why these funds exist. So Maiden Lane and CSC Upshot and our, and our funds at angel.co slash funds, these are more professionally managed where people uh, who are managing them go in and they pick what they think are the best deals. But even if you wanted to do that, even if you're just to look at the index of how things are doing, 
um, we're already starting to show, um, you know, positive, but uh, very positive, but unrealized returns from our early classes. Um, So it's really, it's really evolving quickly. Uh, What are some of the speed bumps? One I can uh, mention is obviously, you know, people being concerned about privacy. You have, uh, um, you have, yeah, the entrepreneurs who right. who you approach and say, well, you know, I'd like to invest and maybe I do a syndicate, um, right, w- with your fund. And they and those that are not too familiar yet with the platform, they say, well, explain syndicates to me. You explain it to them, and yeah. They say, well, how do I know that that information is not getting out to my competitors? You know, how right. how, do, how do you know if there's fifty people in your syndicate? You know, are they going to be talking about the company and loose lips at cocktail parties? This is out in the right. in the air, as I'm sure you know. How do yeah, you think so, about that? yeah, I think about it in a couple of ways. One is most companies these days, you know, you are before you can raise money, you have to have built your product and launched it. So you're you're not yeah. really in true stealth mode. Very few companies are in true stealth mode. And in my experience, the stealthier the company early on, sort of the lower, the, the more insecurity the founder is signaling. Mm-hmm. Some companies should be stealthy, but not all. In fact, most companies should not. So I think it, the, the whole meme is a little overblown. And if you go to Y Combinator Demo Day, or you look at how companies launch on TechCrunch or Product Hunt, they're screaming for attention. <laughs> so it's almost oh, yeah. the opposite. Right, you go to you go to YC Demo Day and you stand up in front of a thousand investors and you know tell them everything, uh, and those are people who are not even serious about inv- necessarily investing in this company. Maybe maybe a few of them will, but most of them won't. And that's true with any accelerator or with any one of these conferences like the Launch Conference or Tech or TechCrunch Disrupt. So I think first I would say that the whole stealth meme is sort of going away for most companies, not for all. There are some who will always need it and require it and, and benefit from it. Uh, secondly. Uh, the, the syndicates themselves run in different modes with different levels of curation. So it gets a little confusing, but we have some leads who have you know, 500 backers. And essentially, if you're raising money from one of those syndicates, then don't reveal anything that, that, that's stealthy. Right. You can tell the lead in confidence, and the backers can choose whether to follow the lead or not, but the lead's not going to convey anything you're not comfortable conveying. So treat that just as if your information is public. That's a mm-hmm. smart thing to do. Right. And there are other cases where my syndicate, for example, is very curated. Um, I only take on backers who are very sophisticated that I know, and they're under NDA. Uh, and mm. if they if they violate that, then you know I'll kick them off at the very least, <laughs> and probably take more action. And there's very and I have a curated smaller set of backers. And then there are the institutional funds like Maiden Lane and CSC Shop, Upshot who are under complete NDA. So that's no different than the LPs in your VC fund. Uh, so generally, I would say you know number one. Uh, you know, don't reveal anything that you would be unhappy if it got on the front page of the New York Times. That's just good business in general. Um, when you're getting introductions to VCs, seed funds, and angels, your deck is being mailed around anyway. You're foolish if you're putting things in that deck that your competitors can use in any meaningful way. Right. Um, that's, you know, that's one. Number two is it's hard enough to get attention in this world, right, for, from anyone, investors or whoever. So we find that actually companies that are less stealthy do better because they get interest from there are lots of VCs who are watching the Angel of Syndicates platform. So when a deal goes out and it's more on the open side, the company will get pinged by VCs. Uh, and also VCs will know that, okay, this company's out there in the space, so the space is getting competitive, so they're less likely to fund one of your competitors who comes in later. So a lot of companies actually prefer to use syndicates just to get the word out, like, hey, we're here first. Mm-hmm. We're already in the space. If you're funding a competitor, you're already behind the curve. And then lastly, I would say you can also just tell your syndicate lead, hey, I want to do a private deal, uh, and I want to make sure that none of the backers are going to leak. So, uh, you know, make sure you've picked good backers that you know well, 
Uh, and like I said, our institutional funds uh, can always provide a lot of capital into the good deals. And they are, you know, they are under massive NDA. They, they would get kicked off the platform ah, and lose okay, their funds if they, okay. if they violated it. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's a lot of stuff that we have built around privacy. We're going to be doing more and more, actually. Now that two-thirds of the deals on the platform are private anyway, um, you're going to see us making more and more changes that clearly reflect how private the platform is becoming. Uh, we, we, we are also having a lot of uh, syndicates being done between VCs and their LPs, and those are, of course, completely fully locked down private um, using our infrastructure. So it, to, to a casual observer who's looking at AngelList, they might think that the syndicate's volume is slowing down because they're seeing less and less deals that are kind of open to the casual observer. But actually, the number of deals has gone up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's just that most of them are being done privately between the lead and their selected backers, as well as between the lead and our institutional fund partners. Yes. Um, yes. Where, where this eventually heads is you're going to be looking at the, the ideal syndicate will have the lead, plus it'll have 10 to 20 value-added mentor class backers, right? Mm -hmm. And each one may have some different expertise. Like, I've got a really good engineer who's good at scaling. I've got someone who's good at growth hacking. I've got someone who's good at finance. Uh, I've got someone who understands real estate, right? So you've got a bunch of people in, uh, in the backing network, almost as lightweight mentors, um, who are available through the lead for a phone call or a meeting if you need help in that particular area. And then the bulk of the funds will come from institutional capital. You know, the bulk of the invested money in the world comes from institutional capital. And the institutional capital, they're not quite passive, but they're more passive investors. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're more like limited partners investing in a VC fund uh, and less like individuals who, uh, you know, you're going to be talking to or having to deal with. Right. Um, so the, my, my colleague Parker Thompson summed this up really well, where he just said, uh, you know, the former startup L. Jackson. So he has a, mm -hmm. right. he has a way of putting things in a pithy <laughs> way. Sure but does. he said, uh, you know, 10 people I can call on for help and one person uh, to sign the documents. Do you think funds will eventually uh, use AngelList completely uh, as their back end? I mean, traditional venture funds? Uh, that I do not know. Um, partially, uh, uh, right now, pretty unlikely. We are doing micro funds, so these small funds for uh, very high quality angels who just are getting more professional about it. Uh, and they want to be able to write um, a large, they want to be able to write small checks. They want to be able to write checks without having to go back and run a syndicate each time. Right. So we are running what we call these angel funds. And they're small, like million dollar angel funds mm -hmm. um, for, for these kinds of leads. And uh, so those are starting to creep into what uh, normally a seed fund would look like. But because we have not really rolled out management fees, uh, we, we haven't really gone down that road. The truth is, like, if someone wants to be a dedicated, full-time, nonstop investor investor, um, they're probably going to go get a bunch of limited partners, uh, big institutions. And those limited partners will have highly custom requests and requirements. Uh, and those will create a custom product, which really doesn't work well with our scalable online model. Uh, but what we're also finding is that people dip their toes in, they start doing a few investments. And the beauty of syndicates, unlike the normal venture fund, is you can keep adding backers throughout. In a normal venture fund, you open the venture fund, and then you raise some money, and then you close it for four or five years. Whereas in our model, uh, because every deal sets up a separate little vehicle underneath, you can keep adding backers all day long. 
and so people started out dipping their toe in the water with you know maybe twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars of backing per deal, and now there are many individuals in the platform who have five, seven hundred thousand dollars of backing per deal. The equivalent of that in a fund model is a twenty, twenty-five million dollar fund. Yeah. So just through individuals and just without that much effort, you've sort of slid your way into a $20, 25000000 million fund that can keep growing. So at that point, why move off exactly. and, and, and do a venture fund? Right. Um, so I, I think over time, for example, we may add a management fee model for some of these top leads, mm-hmm. but they're going to they're gonna need a serious track record <laughs> right. before anyone's going to yeah, commit to paying the management Absolutely. fees. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and there is one thing about our model that is quite different than the traditional venture model. Because each deal is separate, because each backer can opt in or opt out of every deal, the quid pro quo to that is that the economics, the carry on each deal are calculated on each deal. They're not calculated, they're not netted out across all the deals yes. the lead has done because there's a different set of backers in each one. So if you had the same backers, you could net it out before you paid them the profits. But because there's a different backer base in every single deal, you actually cannot net it out. Um, so it's a quid pro quo. And we've tried the other model. We've actually said, do you want – and so, for example, these angel funds that I was talking about, these little angel funds, those have net, net carry. Uh, but then in those ones, in exchange, the backers are locked into all the deals. So the flexibility that the backers want, we find that the backers want the flexibility – means that the leads get deal-by-deal deal carry. So what we do is they, they, they get less carry on average. They get 15 instead of the normal 20. Um, they have to, or actually normal in seed is more like 25. Um, they have to put in their own capital, their own skin in the game to show that they're, you know, that they're taking a risk here and they lose money if, if they lose. Uh, and they're not getting management fees, so they're not getting paid regardless of the outcome. Um, so we have all kinds of checks and balances to work with that. Uh, but the advantage of that to the leads is you don't have to wait 10 years until your every investment you've ever made returns money mm-hmm. to the LPs. You could have one hit early on. For example, we had two different syndicates in, in the company Cruise, which was recently sold to GM at a billion-dollar valuation. Yes. Um, and we had two different syndicates in a two different rounds, and the leads on those got paid right away. So yeah. the company exited, they got cash. So we trade off. We basically say you're not going to get the guaranteed management fees. It's not a salary job where you're going to be sitting around and just collecting money. Mm-hmm. But if you find a good company and it exits early and you make and you make money for your investors, you get paid right there. You don't have to wait 10 years until every dollar you ever invested in the business gets paid back. Yeah. And there's, an, there's an old line in the venture business that you know a lot of VCs have never seen a carry check. Um, because they've never returned an entire fund or it just takes so long. It just takes so long. And in a way, it's bad because if you're an up-and-coming, high-quality associate or principal at a VC firm, at any given point, you have more carry that you haven't collected way out in the future than you've collected currently. So you're locked into your current model. What a great episode so far. As I mentioned, we are breaking this into a two-part episode. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch part two in two weeks with Naval Ravikant of AngelList. Thanks. Show you around, give you a taste of business, you know?